a Pulp MX Network production. Welcome to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show on RacerX.com. With your continued support of our sponsors, we have surpassed 1,000 podcasts delivered with over 7 million downloads. Click that Amazon banner on Pulp MX to help us out and donate via Patreon if it suits you. And as always, enrich your moto lifestyle by working with the sponsors who support us. Legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome, everybody, to the Fly Racing Racer X podcast. This is the Salt Lake City recap. And sweet Jesus, is there a lot to talk about, and a lot happened at Salt Lake City. Uh, going to be great to uh, to recap it all from Justin Hill winning the championship, going up the face of the finish to that ride by Eli Tomac. So thanks again for listening. Appreciate it. Get it on Stitcher. Get it on iTunes. Please check out the Steve Mathis Classics as well for a ton of older interviews that I've done over the years since 2008. So please check that out. Also, too, Fly Racing, flyracing.com, the official gear of uh, Blake Baggett. David Millsaps, Benny Bloss, Trey Kennard, Weston Pike, the Antignap brothers, and many others. The F2 carbon helmet with MIPS is a straight-out-of-the-box uh, factory ride helmet. Uh, these riders wear that exact same helmet out on the track. Um, tons of different colors, tons of different styles. Please check them out, flyracing.com, for everything you need, including mountain bikes and personal watercraft and road racing and UTV and flyracing.com, bro. They got it. All right, again, I'm Steve Mathis. With me on the line to recap everything that went down at salt lake city first up he's the voice of american motocross he's the voice of dirt track he's the voice of enduro cross he's the voice of geneva supercross he is the voice of quad racing he's the voice of gnccs the jason wygant yeah no no salt lake for you though Weege. No, I got to, as I've explained over and over, I got underlings who desperately want to go to races and make contacts and network so uh yeah, that's fine. They can have it. You know who was very upset that you were not there? Who? Teddy Parks. Really? Yeah. Yeah, ask me where well, you... we did have a good time. We had Teddy with us in the press box all night in Seattle, man. We really had a good time with him. Mm-hmm. Ask me where you were, what you were doing, why you weren't there, what happened. Really? Yeah, all that. We really went into detail uh, about, like, why you're not there. Well, we'll be fine this weekend. He told me that he's got a friend with a helicopter, and we're going to do some laps in a helicopter around the Statue of Liberty. I don't even know if that's even – I might be shot down by Trump if I do it for doing that, but what a way to go. Teddy can whip out a photo of him holding the American flag each and every week in opening ceremonies in Supercross <laughs> and be like, there is nothing more patriotic than this, Donald. <laughs> so, Also on the line from Fly Racing, he's a two-time German Supercross champion. He's a two-time Montreal Supercross champion. And he never would have hit the whoops like Eli Tomac this past weekend. The Jason Thomas. What's up, JT? You don't know that. Maybe I would have. <laughs> Maybe I would have. We were, Salt Lake City was the site of the Josh Grant fake-out rhythm section. <laughs> Remember that, Weech? It wasn't a, it wasn't a oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> the, 
he was all over you, JT. And for people who don't know, he was all over you in the semi and for the last spot. And it was a rhythm section that I think everybody was going three, two. Uh, you, you probably remember more than I do. But you had a odd rhythm. And he would come out behind you. And you would jump this odd rhythm, and he would clank everything. <laughs> he would clank the whole section because you weren't jumping it the way anyone else was. It was very fair. And we were in the press box going, look at, watch this. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, so there was a really tough three out of the corner. Mm-hmm. And you had to seat bounce it really hard. And, and the bikes are really slow there, and I just didn't feel comfortable with it, whether it was lack of a factory bike or lack of talent or whatever. I just wasn't going to do it. Mm-hmm. So instead of three... They were going three, three, two. I went two, three, three, or something like that. Mm-hmm. But I was screwing up his triple in, and then he just had no clue what to do with it after that. After, so, yeah. After, yeah, yeah. Really, really <laughs> threw off his whole strategy, and I, it was nothing more than me. I didn't, I didn't mean to do it. I just wasn't going to jump that jump, but it worked out for the best because yeah. I just was glad I didn't go you, to the last chance. You, you could watch him behind you. He's just crumbling trying to figure out, okay, so I can't tree in, <laughs> so now what do I do? I can't, you know, it's very bizarre. But yeah, the, the, well, the 2-3-3 two, the two, three, three was really tough also. It wasn't easy by any means. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think he had ever done it. So when I threw off his ability to go three in, he had probably done nothing else all day. Yeah. That he was just like, what do I do now? now was, know, then just, it was two, like, two, one, two, clank. <laughs> <laughs> my dad used to, uh, my dad told me this story. He was on like the high school chess club, but he was horrible. And he said like, if he had to play someone who was like really good, like, I guess if you're good at chess, there's like, you kind of know what the moves are going to be. Uh-huh. And he had no clue. So he would do something totally wrong. And then the guy on the other side of the table, he's like, the look on their face, and I'd be like, what the hell is this dude doing? Yeah. This doesn't make any sense why you would do this move right now, and it would actually ruin them. So there you go. Same idea. Yep. Um, yeah. All right. And we're going to talk a little bit about the 250 rule change in Supercross also near the end of this. But uh, for now, JT, how does Ryan Dungey, how does he go into New York with – you know, I, I any kind of like edge over Eli Tomac mentally or anything. We well, speed wise, he hasn't had an edge for sure. But man, this is this sport is so mental as we spoke about time and time again. I, I, it's it's got to be. I mean, Eli has to have a mechanical, very 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 rare, or absolutely, and I mean crash bad because he can't just tip. If he tips over, he's still going to win. Um, this is a huge – this has got to be really tough for Ryan Dungey right now. Yeah, to answer your initial question, I don't think there is a way to have a, a mental edge over Tomac. It's just, that's just not logical or possible, in my opinion. Uh, for Ryan, I think he just has to stay even-keeled, which I think he is from what I saw. Um, I think he's done a good job of that. And he's just got to remember that it's, you know, okay, it was tied, and now it's three points, and – you know, anything can happen. And the craziest part of all this, and I think that's what I'm going to write about uh, for my column, is if this was any other year, say this was especially 2015 and 2016, if you would if you would press pause on the, like, say, the, let's say the first or second lap of that main event, and you saw Ryan getting away, and you saw Eli buried, that's what Ryan Dungey has done to everyone for the past, you know, before the last eight or nine races, you know, the last two years before that. 
he would put himself in a good spot. He would sprint the first couple laps, and, well, the rest would be history for the next, you know, mm-hmm. 18 minutes or whatever. That's really been the difference this year because I really think Ryan, he kind of did what he does. He was better than everyone else. No one else was able to even put any pressure on him. And if you take Eli Tomac's heroic ride out of that, it's a pretty standard Ryan Dungey win over the last few years. So, really, I don't think Ryan is the one that's done anything – terrible or is way off the mark i just think we're seeing eli tomac on a level that we maybe haven't seen in a few years from anyone so um yeah that's really what i took away from it it's not so much what ryan's doing wrong it's just that he's running into a rider that's doing things uh on a different level right now yeah yeah no absolutely i agree i just it's such a mental sport that ryan just got caught and passed from way back and you know, he's just got him, like he's just like I'm not as fast as Eli Tomac right now. I'm just not. Well, yeah, yeah I think yeah. I, to get past that, I don't know that he can. But that doesn't mean I mean the fastest guy doesn't always win. We we've seen that. We've talked about it. So he's just got to remember that. Hey, okay, yeah, Eli's faster than me right now. But if I keep getting the whole shot and I keep putting myself in this spot where I can hopefully win, maybe he makes a mistake. Maybe you know, maybe he doesn't. Maybe just the best guy wins yeah. and he's just unbeatable. But if I keep putting myself at the front. I'm going to give myself the best shot. Now, I think that's really the only way you can look at it right now. Yeah, no, absolutely. Eli's starts have been up and down, Weege. Well, yeah, but the problem is I don't think it's a surprise. Maybe even Dungeon knew that Tomac was going faster than him lately. I don't think anyone's surprised with that. But I think the problem is it was, yeah, but I'm probably close enough where I'm within a good start, bad start yeah. situation yeah, of beating him. But now you know, I mean, what more can you hope for? He went into the first turn in 20th place, and – Dunge had the lead. Did he have the lead in the very first lap? I know he had to get it. Yeah, oh, well, yeah, he did. He yeah, he okay. passed. Yeah. All right, so if you're like, wait, he can go into the first turn of 20th and I can be in the lead by the time the first lap ends and I'm still – and it wasn't even close. I mean, he passed him a plenty of time to go. So I think that's the problem. I'm sure Dungey probably even knew, yes, his pace is a little faster than mine. But I doubt he thought, I can basically start first and he can start last and he's still going to beat me. That's a little bit different perspective, I think, than there was. Um, no, that's exactly that that's exactly it. Like yeah. you can always rationalize yourself, like as why Tomac's beating you. You know, you can't you can't rationalize this. Tough. Yeah, this well, is, this is yeah. Tough. And Atlanta, you know, that, okay. See, Dunge won Atlanta. It was probably oh, Tomac is faster. He caught him in Atlanta, no doubt. But he didn't start last. And no. Dunge was still able to manage it and make it happen. But yeah. now it's like crap. Now I can't even do that. No, and Dunn's just saying, you know, oh, I backed it off the last couple laps. You know, I had a lead, whatever. Yeah. So blah, 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 blah. But there's nothing yeah. There's nothing right. you can rationalize about. You can even rationalize a heat race win and be like, yeah, I beat him. You know, yeah, I beat him. Yeah. Um, yeah. You, can't, you can't do anything with that main event win. Like, well, but, I, I, think, I, I think the one factor here for the main event, which I don't think is going to be relevant every single weekend, was the whoops. I mean, can, we have to address how bad Ryan was in the whoops and how good Eli was. Because I really think if you take that section out of it or you just take that factor out where Eli was that much better than everyone and Ryan struggled all day long. I mean, even in practice, I was texting people like, what is going on with Dungey and the whoops? He is, you know, a mid-pack level at best in these whoops. I really think if Ryan had even a high level of uh, performance in the whoops, I think he would have been able to hold on to that. That lead. No, 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 no. I do. No. No. Okay, well, that's my opinion. I, I think if you look at how much time he was losing in the whoops alone, 
and you extrapolate that into how big the lead was, I think Ryan wins the race. The whoops were the, were the key because he wasn't he was losing time a little bit here and there around the rest of the track, but not enough to make up that that gap. That's my opinion. Weege. It does make me think of the Atlanta situation again, where I'm like, okay, Tomek wasn't that much faster over most of the year. He's been faster, but not this much faster. Uh, and one other factor, I guess, we could throw in: can we can we mention altitude? Does that do anything? Does that help Tomek at all? Maybe there's a few things that made an exceptionally strong ride for Eli, but I'm still going to lean with Mathis in this one. Pays me to say that, but. I think it'd be tough for any racer to leave and say, "Yeah, he's pretty much going to get me no matter what I do now." Um, it'd be nice to just say it was the whoops. It'd be nice to just say maybe it was altitude or something. But it would be really hard to pass if he wasn't so good in the whoops. If he wasn't that much better in that one section alone, where was he going to pass eighteen riders? Because I don't think he would have. If you go back and, and look, watch the race, I, don't, I would say seventy-five percent of his passes were made in the whoops. And, I mean, that's uh, so a credit. It's, a double thing. it's not only where he gained. I was able to gain so much time. It was that he didn't have the normal issue of I've got to pass eight guys because he was 10th pretty early. So he's got to pass eight guys and not lose a ton of time. And he was able to yeah. do it because he could just eight laps in a row make passes through there. Yeah, um, it was every, every lap he was passing someone there. And I'm not saying that's not a part of the race. I'm just saying when you break it down for Dungey and you look at yeah. why did I get beat this badly? How did he catch me? I really think yeah. – rationally, he could look at that one section killed me. So it's not the end of the world, but, man, I can't have holes in my game like that. Sure. It's, a, it's a real shame yeah. that all the video cameras were broken at KTM. It's a, re, it's a shame. I, oh, I, he knew it. He, he made mention of it on the podium after the race. He I said don't, it was all day. Okay. All day in the whoops, I was, yeah, I was slow down. And he was. He was. But, okay, so what Tomac was doing, it was pretty obvious to see, he was – coming in and missing the first one. He was using a little yep. ramp and missing the first one and getting on a plane. No one sees that on, in, at KTM. No one says, hey, Dunge. Because Dunge can do that. He's very capable yeah, everyone, of that. everyone can do that. Yeah, yeah everyone yeah. in the main event can do that. Yeah. yeah. So, I, I mean, he was, JT, you, you've, he was really bad. I would love. Yeah, it was terrible. He, he was probably 10th. Fastest, 12th fastest, 15th fastest in the whoops in the main event out of the out of the 22 guys. It was amazing, and but I mean, he, he's Ryan Dungey. He knows he can do that. I don't. I don't understand how he was so bad. It's it's. A, it was all day though. It was all day. Yeah. In, in in practice, I was and it wasn't the group text I'm in with you. It was a different one. I was texting. Something's got to happen here for Dungey. He's. I mean, he has no chance if he is he was, like this. He was like popping up like three feet yeah. in the air uh, after the it first was, one. It was yeah. really bad. He was. He was trying everything too. It was, he would try to blitz. He tried to do what Marvin was doing, which was three, three, three. He he was trying different things, but nothing was happening for him. I mean, nothing. No. And then you couple that with Eli was just he was stew like the way he was hitting the whoops. And that, that, honestly, that's the last person I've seen hit whoops that much faster than the field with but, Stu. Wow, it was just an un, it was a, impossible to overcome that that difference in but, speed in the whoops. Like what you're right, the whoops this weekend we don't know what they're going to be like. We don't know what they're going to be like in Vegas and all of that. But um, it's I mean whoops or not, it, this thing's over. Uh, obviously, like I said, a mechanical or a big crash from Eli Tomac changes it, and it's not over. But if everything's just going, you know. Regular plan. I don't know how you do. I don't know how you. I don't know how Tomac doesn't win this. Thing. I tell. So. I tell you how. The only way possible is he's got to. 
he's got to make it happen this weekend, I really think. Um, and I felt Salt Lake was the same. If he goes in with a winner-takes-all at Vegas, I think he can do it. Because uh, I, I really don't think that Tomac's uh, aggressive style, the way he's blowing up these berms and is just so aggressive, that doesn't really work in Vegas. It's too slippery, and you kind of have to roll the turns. Like, it's just a different it's a different animal as far as how you attack that track. And I think that favors Dungy. Um, whether he can beat him straight up, that's anybody's guess, but it, it helps him in that fight. This weekend, though, you know, and it, and it was a perfect opportunity because you look at where Eli was. If Ryan can get away and win that one, he can say, okay, no problem. Eli's going to win New York probably. You know, hopefully I win again. But if he wins yeah. this one, if I can get second yeah. and we go in tied for Vegas, let's get it on. You know, I'll take that every time. But now he's put himself in a spot where he he has to win this one, I feel, this weekend. Yeah. He can't go in down six into Vegas. I really yeah. feel like if he goes in sit down six, it's over. If he goes in six, Weege, right, it's into Vegas? Yeah, that's why, uh, I mean, I think – Everything seemed to be favoring Tomac in general. If you said they're tied with three to go, Tomac's won all these races lately. When the race was first materializing, you're like, oh, wait, it looks like Dungeon might win this one. That was almost the perfect case where you're like, Tomac can definitely win the last two, and he's going to have to. But now that he only has to win one of them, the odds are really uh, long uh, for Dungeon at this point. i got a couple things I'm going to point out here. I just looked up the segment times. This is unbelievable. The segment that had the boots was very short. It was basically turn to turn. Only Dungey's best time to that segment, seven seconds. Tomac's best time to that segment, 4.2. 2.8 seconds made up out of seven seconds. He was literally, that's uh, what? He was double. He was, he, was, yeah, he was almost 50% yeah. faster. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, 2.8 seconds made up in a seven-second section uh, of the track. So but it is true that you can't guarantee that those exact result, uh, whoops are going to happen again. But I think it's just pointing to where we're kind of at with Tomac and Dunge. And I, yes, Dungey, I'm sure, has the skills to use that first whoop properly. But I think there's a certain level of ballsiness that Tomac has right now that Dungey doesn't have. And that's never been totally Dungey's specialty, but I think this year he's back to riding within himself like Dungey did for most of his career. Yeah, and Tomac lets it all go, and it's just the difference often between a dude who's gunning for his first title and a dude who's been there, done it. I think Tomac's just ballsier right now. So when it comes to whoops, regardless of how they're going to shape up each week, this is where this type of thing happens. I was a bit surprised, not surprised, but so Tomac gets Dunge briefly. Dunge gets him back when he Tomac kind of slides out a bit. Then the actual real pass for the for the lead. Dunge had a chance to kind of. Run it in there a little bit. That's so anti Ryan Dungey. He's not gonna, you know, that's not what he does. But geez, man, no. Like I feel like put put the seven, the twenty two, in that same spot, and you know, a little oh. uh, put Bradshaw there, or put there's a little message getting sent, and Dunge really. I just here you go. I, I look. It, it, I'm not saying T-bone the dude, but I, uh, come on, Ryan, like. This is literally the championship riding away from you here, but I don't know. Yeah, I agree. He didn't fight as much as he no. could have, but you're right. It's like, uh-oh, if Dunge's only chance to win is now to resort to that, that's totally not playing to his strength. Like, I don't even know if Dunge knows how to do that. Um, plus, let's be honest, the dude caught him from way back, and there was still a lot of time left. Yeah. Like, at first, yeah. you're thinking, is he going to have time to catch him? By the halfway point, you're like, oh, he's going to catch him 
within a couple of laps here. And there was a, how many more laps were there in the race? <laughs> Five. Uh, so yeah, I don't know what difference it would have made. I also noted, didn't it seem like when Tomac got there that he's like, okay, I'm going to be gentle with this. I, I could just blitz him and try to get him immediately. But yeah. I'm going to be, yeah. I'm not going to be disrespectful. I'm not going to run him. I'm not going to knock him down. I'm yeah. just going to, I'll pass him respectfully. Uh, which, you know what it reminds me of, Steve, you'll shudder when I say this, but in those early 01 Carmichael-McGrath battles, I yeah. feel like Carmichael's like, I have to make sure I do this the right way. I know I can do it. I know I can get the guy. But I don't want anyone saying that I was dirty with mm. the, you know, a classy guy, a champion, and all that. And I think Tomac did that. He got the dungeon. I was like, okay, now I'm going to take my time and make sure I pass him the right way. Um, what do you think, JT? Are you surprised by Not surprised, but... You know? Um, yeah, I think partially was he saw how far Eli come back on him, and he's like, man, I don't, I don't have anything for him. And if I park him here, if I don't knock him down, I'm not going to be able to hold him off. You know, if I just stuff him one time here, he's come from 25 seconds down or something crazy. Like, I'm not going to be able to hold him off for the next eight minutes or whatever's left. Yeah. Uh, and then for Eli's side, I think, uh, you know, when you're in that chase scenario, I guarantee you the first – nine, ten minutes of the race, whatever it was, maybe maybe eight minutes, where he couldn't really see Dunge, and he was way back, and he's in traffic. He's full sprint, you know, max heart rate, everything he's got. And then he gets to the back of Ryan, and he sees there's seven minutes left or whatever it was left. He's probably like, oh, okay, I'll take a deep breath here and kind of get my heart rate under control because I have all the time in the world now to make this pass. And I think he just kind of regrouped a bit and said, okay, I'll find my spot. And like you guys said, I'm not going to do anything stupid or crazy or give him a real reason to retaliate here if I go in there too aggressively. Um, so I just think it was a, a moment for him to kind of get back on track and, and take his time and then make a move. And then once you saw him get around, he kind of was like, okay, I'm by. I'm going to go again and take off. Um, yeah, it was, it was, it was interesting. That's for sure. Um, Tomac has been so respectful this whole process. Um, yeah. I have to wonder, you know, obviously we, we've kind of poked fun of the fact that we all know his dad has a great pedigree as an athlete as well. Dad's gnarly. We know his dad's gnarly. Gnarly. He's gnarly. All right, we, we know that this has been mentioned a million times. I have to imagine at some point throughout his life or career or even this year, they've discussed, like, how you go about doing this. And it seems to me even what he says about Dungey in the press conferences, they're like, we are going to be as respectful as you can possibly be. He gives Dungey credit. He says it's hard to track a guy down because he's so good. He's so consistent. Um, and I think that even translates in, on track. Like, I think they've decided if we win this, we are going to do it in the classiest way possible and show full respect to Ryan Dungey. I mean, we know that you could do it another way. But he's clearly decided to take the high road. The you said you touched on it earlier, JT. That Tomac's ride. I mean, he admitted to me in the press conference. He's like, I, I did look up and I thought, okay, I got to get second. You know, I'm going to try to minimize the damage here. And then at some point, he said, like, oh wait, I think I can win. But early on, he was like, oh boy, you know, it's actually surprising how much uh, these guys look around and know what's going on while they're in the air and and such. But um. Yeah, you have a lot of awareness. Yeah. And I think the biggest thing was he didn't plan on making up two seconds a lap on Dungey in one section. That's, that's to me, what you can't count on. You, you can't think, oh, I'm going to be two-plus seconds better than the whoops every lap. This yeah. will be easy. So with that much, with that much of a gap, because he could see Ryan, you know, you can look around, especially once he got a little gap. You can look around and see where Dungey is, and he's probably like, uh-oh, 
uh, this probably isn't going to work out. And then you just see the gap coming down and down and down. Um, but, yeah, I think uh, to your point, there there is a lot of uh, self-awareness, and you can also kind of see because as much as – as hard as it is to get around a super crash track, these guys are so good, and it's almost robotic to what they're doing. They're they're looking around, and they see the pit board, and they're looking at gaps and marking people and all kinds of stuff. It was very stewish, the ride. It was amazing. It was – yeah. You know what it, remind, it reminded me of, Stu, uh, and if anybody wants to go back and watch this race – Stu from Indianapolis in 2006, seven. What year was that? I'll, I'll go Toronto 14. You Maybe know. 07. Maybe it was 07. Yep. Stu, Indy. Yep. Uh, he reels in Reed. He's jumping a section that nobody else does. It's a 3 3 3 that nobody had done all day. And then Chad's credit, he started doing it after him, but the damage was done by then. Stu yep. came from 19th to 1st. Yeah. Weed. Yeah, I wonder if uh, Dunge had never. I, I agree with both you guys. I do remember that Indy race. I think it was right before Daytona, um, and then the Toronto 14 was similar because it was one. Yeah, that one quad Stu was doing, and that's what makes these races even more exciting. It's kind of the same thing that happened in that GP last weekend, where Caroli was not only making passes, but everyone knew where the passes would be coming, so it made it even more exciting. So every time Stu got to that section, or every time Tomac got to those loops, you're like, here it comes, here it comes. Uh, so that makes it even more more uh, thrilling. But it is interesting where I wonder if Dungey, when you have that kind of a lead, he's got the whole shot. He looks over. He sees where Tomac is. I wonder if he's like, man, in that situation, Dungey wins the race 99% of the time, right? I wonder if he wasn't in panic mode enough, assuming like Tomac was. Yeah, he's going to get second. I, I, he's not going to catch me. I wonder if he managed the race a little too much. He kind of alluded to that a little bit post race. I don't know. I don't know if there was any managing against that that rod by Tomac. But yeah. Well yeah, but for the first ten minutes right. I don't if you're done you don't know that that's coming. Yeah. You're like, I got it. I just gotta, you know, go through the you know, hit my marks like I usually do and it's gonna work out. And then it's like ten minutes in it's like, oh crap, that's not gonna work this time. Yeah. No, <laughs> I wish he, I could have those first ten minutes back. He he said that in the press conference. He said I saw Eli way back there and then I looked over at some point, he was right behind Jason, you know, Anderson. And he, yeah. and he was like, oh, whoa, like I, I realized, oh, boy, you know, or something. He made a comment about something. So Yeah, that's what I think. Yeah. I'm not saying he would have. And in the end, he lost by six seconds, so it may have been not a matter. But maybe he could have stretched that gap an extra second or two in the first ten minutes. That's what I thought. It would have mattered. That's another thing. Like, like people may think that, okay, Eli got him and then just won, and won the race, but Dunge was right on him. No, no, six seconds. Just it was, and if we would have went another ten laps, it would have just grown. From, like it was, it was just a beatdown. It was just, and that's why that's where I started this with. Like, I don't know how. I don't know if Dunge is mentally the strongest guy, you know, out there in terms of uh, you know everything. He's never had a lot of adversity in his titles, and and other times he's come up short against RV. Now he's a phenomenal rider, and he's a legend, and everything else, but. I think mentally, I know he's. I know that they've been throwing everything at that bike the last few weeks, and they did it again at press day, and they, they did it again at the race. I think this just. I, I mean, I think what JT said is absolutely right. Like, Dunge has to just be like, "Hey, I got to get a start and and just ride my race." But there will be no stepping up. Do you know what I mean? He's just gonna go. He's just gonna do what he does. And if Tomac goes faster, 
then great. And if Tomek has, an, has, has a mistake, then great. But there's no great battle coming here, I think, with Dunge. I think this is, a, a, you know, mentally a lot to overcome. But we'll see. Well, I, I think it's – I think it's uh... I think we should be clear, though, to give the credit goes here to Tomac. It's not like Dunge screwed up. No. Tomac is just riding incredibly. Because no. the proof is Dunge was still way ahead of everybody else. Yeah, but he's, okay, yeah. no, he's you're still right. riding well. No, for sure. Uh, so, in the end, Dunge was riding as good as we um, – hey, at the beginning of the year, we had all these theories. Does Dunge have Epstein Barr? Is he got an injury? Is there a problem? I think we found out there really isn't anything wrong. Tomac just got way the hell better this year. No, 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 no. Dungy's not the same guy. I don't believe. But I'm going to put more. I, I agree he's not Dungy of 2016. But the bigger swing okay. comes from Tomac making um, this phenomenal step up. Okay, I'll give you that. Sure. JT? Yes. If there's, yeah. a, if there's a reason why Dungy is losing pie. Yes. 40% is Dungy not the same. 60% is just this force called Eli Tomac. We'll do that. Uh, yeah, it's both. Uh, but I will say, if if Eli was at this level last year and had made the mistakes and the rough start and all that, Dunge wins this title easily, in my opinion. Yeah. So Dunge, yeah, yeah, Dunge is better, right? Yeah, was better. Yeah. yeah. Um, yep. Great ride, though. Whew, wow. I tweeted like, I <laughs> stupid tweets. I gotta stay off the the key, keyboard. But I'm like, it's not gonna be easy to, as like Seattle to make up time on this track for a Tomac and. And then I'm just like, oh, yeah, I think he can get third. Like, I'm, what was I thinking? Good God. He was unbelievable. The way he went around Anderson, who was hauling ass, and Baggett and Millsaps, who have been great lately, just see you later. I'm out of here. He, the lean angle he had, JT, and, I, and MotoGP was this weekend, so I'm sure you're impressed with my term lean angle. But there were times, uh, you know, the track looked – it didn't look like it had a ton of traction and everything else. And there were times Eli was – I saw a photo today from, I think, I think Schmanch World. He's, he's just leaned over, leg out, like finding traction in a rut that looks shitty and slippery. God, he just looked like he could put his bike anywhere. Yeah, his aggression level was just, uh, you know, next level above everyone else. Um, and that <clears throat> the section across the mechanics area, that yep. sweeper into that left, and then that the whoops – and it really worked to his advantage to have those back-to-back because he could close up to the back of whoever mm-hmm. coming across the mechanics, and then he would just execute the pass through the whoops. And those two tied together, yeah. he was killing everybody there. And he was better everywhere else than everybody, too. But he was so much better in those two sections and yeah. everyone that they had no chance. I mean, he could have he could have done a Grand Prix start and still won that race. Yeah. Um, someone else asked me the race, has, has the defending champion – ever kind of got beat down that bad uh, before, and I didn't really think about it at the top of my head. But Congrats. Well, yeah, or I was going to say even Chad when in 04 or 05. No, he wasn't I mean, the McGrath, champ. McGrath in 01, he lost 13 in a row to Ricky. Yep. But I, I, I mean just, yeah, even caught and passed and dropped like that, you know? Yeah, the, yeah. it's happened a few times. But That, uh, that Anaheim, Anaheim 01 when Ricky yep. – Kind of displaced him. He caught him from way. That's that's the only one I can think of. And then uh, Chad a few times with Ricky when Ricky came back from the knee. Was, was Chad the champ? Yeah, yeah in, was in Chad o- the champ though. In 04. In Supercross. No, I mean sorry, 05. 05. 05. 05. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Chad, you know, hated the yeah. aluminum frame and everything. Um, but there were some races that Ricky and I was on the team then that Ricky really made Chad and everybody look silly. And I'm like, oh, yeah, boy. Atlanta, yeah, Atlanta 05 when right. Ricky crashed twice. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Anyways. Yeah. What a ride. Yeah, it happened. Jeez. 
Um, yeah, Andrew, I don't think Dunch has a. I don't think Dunch has that same bar. He's not quite as good as he was last year, yeah. for whatever reason. But yeah. uh, holy crap, Telmax really good right now. <laughs> and that's, that's my takeaway. I but, don't want to be like, why did Dunge do this? Why did Dunge blow it? Why didn't Dunge do this? Uh, holy crap, no, well. you're, you're so you're being a little nice. You're being a little nice because the topic has to be a bit on Dunge when you are in the lead with that big of a lead. If no, Dunge, I get it. Championships on the line. It's winning time. You've got to make it happen. But holy crap, Tomac rode good. Like I don't want it to ever be looked at like, well. It was a pretty good ride for Tomac, but Dungey blew it. Like, no, it's an all-time no, no. ride. Yeah, yeah. It's an all-time ride, no. and it has to be classified as such. No, it's, it's, it's Stu. It's yeah. a Stu ride. It's a Tim Ferry ride. Those type of rides. Well, maybe yeah, not Ferry, but yeah. But, but I, Dunge does, like JT said about the whoops, like, like you have to look at what happened to Ryan. Like, what, you know, you're, you know, so. Anyways. Um, yeah, I it was It was great. Anderson had altitude sickness again. Remember, he didn't race Lakewood last year. Um, and then this weekend, I guess he flew in Saturday morning, flew out Saturday night. Apparently, if the, the least amount of time you spend at altitude, the less it affects you. So he got third. That was good. I was wondering, yeah. like, uh, how does he have altitude sickness growing up in New Mexico, though? Like, that is not sea level, but I don't know how that happens. It's really weird. But what if he goes? Yeah, I've talked to him about it, but I can't remember what the reasons are now because I wanted to do the same thing. I can't tell Mac. People would think this because one is from New Mexico, one is from Colorado. They actually grew up fairly close together. Yeah, Telmac yeah. is in the New Mexico's yeah. uh, near the New Mexico border, and one is known for being great at altitude, and one is known for being terrible. Yeah, I can't remember what the heck it is. He got sick as a kid or something, and it messed him up, something like that. Uh, Marv rode well. Marv was remember he passed Tomac in the main, and, and it was a little aggressive. Right, JT? Very aggressive. A little, a little aggressive, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah the first first lap, the first, uh, well, they go through the start, then yep. the first rhythm, there's that hard left yep. for 180. Marv blasted him. <laughs> I mean, Marv was definitely on Team Dunge, I'll say that. Um, and then when, when Eli had to pass him again, he got aggressive again. So I don't think there was any doubt about Marv trying to help Dungey there. And, and so be it. I yeah, 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 yeah. Nothing, nothing over the line, that's for sure. Um and and then Marv came all the way to fourth. He got uh, Fly Racing's own Josh Grant on the last lap. So Marv was really good. Just no one will talk about it because of the amazing battle up front and the amazing ride by Tomac. But Marv was good, fourth place. Um, and Josh Grant, Fly Racing's own, won a heat race, qualified third. JT, I think. Yeah, he was fast all day. Um, won his heat, qualified up front, yep. uh, main event. You know, was strong. He let, he let Marv get by at the end there. But, uh, yeah, really, really surprising ride. And from what I know, he didn't do a whole lot in the break. He uh, he had that, you know, big get-off in his head in Seattle, and then uh, he kind of went on a family vacation and came back swinging without without doing much. Yeah, good ride. That's why, that's why Josh Grant has rides, people. Is that your classic, classic Josh Grant style? Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> vacation, not doing much, and then showing up and kicking ass. That's pretty much the Josh Grant way. Yeah. Um, Chad well again, six. Or not again, but Chad Rodewell got a, got a six. He was in a battle with Grant for a lot of the night and Marv as well. Um, Millsaps, Baggett. Webb struggled. 13th in qualifying. You know, didn't do well and uh, didn't do as great in the heats and everything. They had to go to the semi, I believe. And got a nine. Where are, we, where, are we at on, where are we at on Webb? I don't we, know. I don't know where I'm at getting, on Webb. giving anything to my uh, theory? The tracks, the softer tracks, ruddy tracks. 
Yeah, I mean, well, I just – he hasn't shown an ability to do well unless the track's crazy soft and crappy. And the track was pretty beat up, but it was still hard and slippery in the main event. We haven't seen it. It's been so sporadic from when Webb has been good to bad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I thought I thought he would be better after his Seattle ride, just confidence-wise and everything else. But, yeah. Well, that, yeah, that's what I wanted to see. Yeah. I wanted to see if it was the track, if it was that soft dirt, or if it was him just finding his form, and it seems like it was the former. Yeah. Um, Dean, oh, Webb got Dean in the last turn, too. The last turn. To, he did. To, to he get did. Right. Yeah. Um, Craig, Christian Craig. Came, I, don't came, you oh. wish there was a way? Don't you wish there was a way? And it, it's going to be done in a few years. You know, all these teams have the videotape of their guys exclusively. And TV, you can show so little. There's going to have to be a way at some point where you can pay-per-view and watch entire races of entire riders. Because, yeah. Did anyone know that Webb? I didn't. I was watching on TV. I didn't know that Webb and Wilson came down to the last turn, last lap for ninth, ten. Yeah. There's stuff going on. Some nights there aren't. You'll see no battles, but plenty of stuff like that goes on that the world doesn't get to see, and people would probably pay good money to yeah. actually or, see it. You know, wherever Barsha is, there's a huge ramathon going. Like no matter where he is, you're just like you watching him, and you're like, oh look at that, it's for 14th, and he's trying to kill somebody, and they're trying to kill him. Like, the web of Barsha, is that what you called it? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I thought it said web and Barsha. It was not web, Cooper web. No, no. See, Barsha, Barsha has a web. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, no, it's true. Like, there's been at least half a dozen races this year where you don't even know what position it is. You're like, dude, look at Barsha. And he's ramming Tickle, or in this case, he's ramming <laughs> Malcolm and getting rammed back. Like, yeah, him and Mookie were going, money for that. Him and Mookie were yeah. going at it again. I think this is two or three weeks in a row. They've got beef, and uh, <laughs> they're going at it. Um, Christian Craig, what'd you think, JT? He was good. I thought he did kind of what we thought. You know, he was uh, he's really fast. Um, I thought his qualifiers would be better because I thought he would get a great start and mix it up. But uh, he he was kind of where I thought he'd be. You know, just outside the top ten, uh, had some flashes, impressed me a few times in practice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, just kind of what we expected. Good in the whoops. Early on, yep. the best guy in the yeah, world. He rode well, but you got to look at that class. I mean, that class is it's stacked. And I, no matter what DV or any, anybody else wants to say about how it was 15 years ago, I don't care about 15 years ago. That's fine. It was really stacked back then, too. But when I watch the main event right now, the top 15 guys are all really, really good. Yeah, I mean, Braden got 13th, and he looked great to me. Braden looked great. Well, yeah, you look at, I mean, you just look at who's back there battling and, and Webb and Wilson and those guys are going at it and they're in like 10th and 11th or yeah. whatever, you know, at the yeah. time. Yeah. Um, so that, that's what I look at. I look at their pace and their talent level and they're both champions, you know, former champions and all kinds of stuff. And they're unable to move forward at all. Yep. Yep. I agree. Um, I don't know if it's the deepest field uh, ever, but I think it's the latest deepest field. Every year is a deep field to the second round first round but there just haven't been a lot of injuries this year people are going to rant injuries are terrible what are we going to do 450s we're missing what roxon pike Sealy was out for a weekend or two here but for the most part most of the riders are still there and that's that's why this is happening like you're right there's 15 dudes still do we ever have that yeah by the third to last round i, yeah. I feel like it's actually been one of the best years for injuries people are going to flame me for saying that no i think you're right these tracks I, but the facts are the facts we're missing Roxton, Sealy, and Pike. That's about it. That's um, a phenomenally low injury list of factory riders. Did you watch the press conference, you two guys? Did you watch, guys watch it? 
Yeah, no, I, I oh. haven't watched press conference all year. Okay. Um, what do you th- what do you think, Weege, when they asked Dunge about the, the the future of the sport, and he kind of said, "I don't know what they're doing. Don't fix what's not broke." I, I almost burst out laughing. I almost started laughing. Like, I get it. Like, it's it. You know, Dunge it, basically JT. He was like, "I don't know what they're looking at different formats for. I don't know why they'd want to do that. This is an incredible sport. You know, don't fix what's broken." And I'm just like, "Oh Jesus!" But anyways, well, you know. I, my my input would be I don't think it's going to matter because I I really don't expect to see Ryan out there next year anyway. No, I know, but I don't either. But I'm just saying, like, well, yeah, it, you, it's you, obviously you, biased towards his interests. Right. I think that's pretty apparent. Do you guys hear that? Yeah. Uh, first of all, do you know who asked that question? Uh, no, I forget. It wasn't MXA guy. I know that. No, it wasn't the. Uh, the I didn't know MXA had guys that go to the press conference until this weekend. I didn't no, know. yeah, they do. They have they have oh. they have insiders that that are at every race oh. and they go to press conferences. Did you ask your question in all capital letters? <laughs> I screamed it. Yeah, I yelled it. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Don't do that next time, though, because I think seriously, people probably thought you switched. Yeah, like you quit and moved to MXA. People probably believe. No, that. no, I got some tweets about it. Like, what's up with this? Is this a new gig for you? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Anyway, but, the but, guy who asked the question, he's here for one reason and one reason only. He's here to haunt Ryan Dungey's dreams. His name is Chris Cooksey. Oh, was it Cooksey? Okay, yeah, yeah. It was. Cook- I don't. So Cooksey has asked two questions in press conferences this year. The first one is what led to there was no crown. We know all about that controversial question, and then he. Helicopters in, parachutes down to ruin Dungey again and say, what about formats and retirement? Which mm-hmm. I don't think anyone has asked Dungey about retiring in a press conference this year. So good on Chris. Mm-hmm. Going for it. No, someone asked Dunge earlier. He said, I just, I'm going to worry about it after Supercross. That's what he had said. And that's kind of what I Roger had said. But um, MXA blocked it, it me. Through Dunge, he, he did talk about it. He did actually open up a little bit. Yeah. 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 Uh, MXA uh, blocked me on Twitter. They blocked me now. After that, what? yeah, I'm blocked. You, you, you were not sign out and look, still look on their page, right? What's that? You just sign out of Twitter, and anyone can look at anybody's tweets. Oh, I guess I never thought of that, JT. Thanks. Yeah. I, <laughs> um. Yeah. So they blocked me. I don't know if it was before or after the question. I have no uh, idea, but yeah. <laughs> um. All right. The real question here is, uh, um. Dunge's reaction to the format of saying it's yeah. not broken, yeah, fix yeah. It, right? That's yeah. the real question. Yeah, um, yeah. I think now there's going to be a lot of fans that don't want to see the format mess with, just like Ryan, so they, they will agree with him. But as as uh, unbiased and nice and classy as Dungey is, I think it's just very difficult for anyone in his situation to see what the whole sport is. Like if you're Dungey, you've been very successful. You're signing millions of autographs all the time. You're being pulled in a million directions all the time. You're the champion in sport. You're getting a huge paycheck. I'm sure it's very hard to think, yeah, the sport could use a boost, needs to grow, struggling. Like, you can't be in his situation and not think, yeah, things are going pretty good. Supercross is big. Yeah. I'm, I mean, everywhere I go, I'm signing autographs. Nah, so, but, okay, but some guys, right. some guys would say, yeah, go ahead and change it. I'll, I'll, I'll still win. Maybe they don't say it that way, but they like, hey, I'll adjust my program and I'll, I'll win. Like, just whatever it is, any obstacle they throw up at me, I'll, I'll adjust to the format and try my best and hopefully take home another title. Well, yeah, but he's not saying he didn't. He didn't actually say don't change it because I can't win that way. No, he's saying don't fix it's what's not broken. broken. 
it's not broken. And, of course, if you're the champion of the series and you're making millions of dollars and you have fans cheering for every weekend, of course you don't think it's broken. Supercross is massive from your perspective, but it actually isn't potentially as big as it could be. And I can tell you that these format changes they want to make, I don't know about the chase points thing. They already tried to get it in there once and they didn't, so I don't know if it will ever happen. But one change that I think you can almost guarantee will come is some sort of change to the evening program you know, of multiple main events or starts or Monster Energy Cup style. I think that is the type of thing that's – we already saw a change this year with the time main events. Like, those changes are going to come. I, I, I don't think the time yeah. main events have worked, in my opinion. I, I like them because the guys get the out there. You pay your money, you get to see the stars out there, but I, I'm very – I'm not – it's not a huge – it's not like a massive change. It's not New Coke. You know, remember New Coke for everybody's dating? It's not like that. It's not a disaster, right. but I don't think it's worked. Yeah. I don't think it's worked. And – so let's go the other way. Um, I think all three of us are in agreement that we'd like to see something done. Well, yeah. And, okay, so the points change, chase format, who knows if that'll even happen. But I think we know that the format of the individual race day has already changed once. It yeah. could change again. Yeah. So yeah. that part, saying that part isn't broken, well, I think they have data to prove that it is broken. And I know it's because they can look at the TV ratings and say people watch the heats, then they tune out because the stars of the sport, like Ryan Dungey himself, will now no longer be racing for the next 90 minutes. They'll be back later. Hope you keep the TV on. Please don't turn on something else and then forget that the Supercross main event started. That's where this is coming from. Why can't you get Ryan Dungey out there three times per night instead of two or something like that? So to say it's not broken, they, it's not broken in the form that the sport is going to shrivel up and die. But I think they do see ways that it could be improved, which mm-hmm. is getting the stars out there more. They tried already this year with a longer main. Yep. They want to try other ways. The, the semis, hey, awesome for Dean Wilson. That was a good battle. He beat Brayton. That was awesome to watch. <laughs> but that's just not star power. No, it was not awesome for you to watch. Wow. Well, <laughs> it, it, yeah. yeah. I mean, we, we've talked about yeah. it. You know, they didn't show the two of the LCQ for the longest time. And, 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 and you know, they <laughs> – that's great racing, but we're 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 in the sport. We're hardcore, you know. We know who these guys are going at it, but I get it. So, yeah, yeah. Um, so, Dungeon's perspective, I think, is a little off. J- I'm saying it's not broken. JT Angelo Pellegrini from Italy. Mm-hmm. Uh, why have I not seen this guy at overseas races? Who is this guy? Uh, I, I've known him for a long time. He's uh, he's from Italy. He's actually super good friends with Caroli. Like that's kind of his training partner. Okay, is, uh, Caroli. Um, I've raced him in Germany. He was really good friends with uh, uh, Davide Esposti. Remember him? Yep. Really short guy. Yeah, short dude. Yeah, uh, yeah so I kind of met him through through Davide. And uh, he raced the 250 East class here in America a few years ago. The last time I remember was it would have been 2012 or 2013. Oh, that's right. He did. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But he's, So he's been around for a while. Uh, but this was kind of his first foray into the 450 class that I remember. Uh, there we go. Ma- making the main. Yep. Um, How about the analysis from JT, though? How many other podcast shows are bringing that? No, that's why I asked him. That's why I threw it to him. I, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I just knew that somehow JT would know this dude. Um <laughs> Um, I did announce him in the. Uh, a, I am the voice of the Geneva Supercross. Okay, so. so maybe I just have seen. Maybe I have seen him over there, and I just haven't paid attention. I, to me, he was a bit of a new name, and I'm like, wait a minute, why isn't this guy race Supercross in Europe a little bit? Um, so Mookie and Barsha got into it again. That should be interesting. Keep your eye on that, everybody, for New York. 
They're not. They they don't like each other. That's great for us to watch. Um, this has been going on for a while, though. Yeah. Remember Utah twenty? Yeah, that's a good point. The outdoors, yeah, blasting yeah. each other. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they, that's right. Daytona a couple years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Daytona, yep. yeah, yeah. Yeah, they've had it. Oh, and um, speaking of Geneva Supercross, some of the most epic GoPro footage of all time. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yes, yeah, yes. This, this, we've got a real uh, saga going on here. It's <laughs> yes. great. I hope I hope uh, Malcolm invites him to come out onto the track and talk about this again <laughs> and see what happens. Um, okay, so let's take a commercial break here. Come back, talk two fifties and uh, two fifty rule change and everything else. Flyracing.com, please check them out. Uh, we thank the folks at Fly for coming on board, and uh, also Michelin Starcross Five and Race Tech. Use the code PulpMX17 at Race Tech to save. Jason Wygant and Jason Thomas will be right back to talk some two fifties. Hey, thanks everybody for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis podcast on RacerX. I want to talk to you a little bit about Race Tech. The folks at Race Tech have been uh, on board with us for a long time. And use the code PulpMX17 when you're checking out to save money. Get your suspension done, please. Come on. Give your bike some love. All right. If, if you're looking to get the most of your bike suspension, get Race Tech's proven lineup of suspension components and services done at the headquarters in Corona, California, or at your local Race Tech service center. And check out the helpful guides on Racetech.com and pick up a do-it-yourself gold valve kit. It's a revalve in a box. Things have been around a long time. Also, too, Racetech doing engines now. Valve jobs, porting, honing, decking, and more. Whether you're looking for a rebuild or a high-performance upgrade, Racetech's engine services department experience, staff, and state-of-the-art equipment have you covered. I can vouch for that. I've seen it myself. Give Racetech a call and mention Pulpmex for a special discount. Please, check them out. Thanks to the guys at Racetech. Randy Richardson from Michelin here, and I'd like to thank the Pulp and Mech Show listeners for your support and share some information about Michelin motorcycle tires. Michelin offers motorcycle tires for everything from cruisers to sport touring, sport bikes, and adventure touring motorcycles. And as we celebrate our 10-year anniversary of our iconic partnership with Harley-Davidson, you'll find Michelin Scorcher tires on an increasing number of factory-equipped Harley-Davidson motorcycles. New for 2017, Michelin introduces the new benchmark for sport bike tires, the Michelin Power RS, featuring many of Michelin's patented technologies, all of which contribute to the incomparable grip, handling, and flickability of the Michelin Power RS. I just want to hit a motocross stuff. Fair enough. Let's focus on the Michelin Starcross 5. Because the Pulp MX show listeners are important to Michelin, we're going to continue to sponsor Steve's janky radio show. That's right. While I'm not like some people who say, I know everything. I do know a few things about motorcycle tires, and I'd like to share some of the key features and benefits of the Michelin Starcross 5 tires with you. And I promise it's not a bunch of corporate blah, blah, blah. The Michelin Starcross 5 tires are specifically designed for use in a broad range of conditions and terrain. They're available in sand, soft, medium, and hard versions, and are offered in 21 size and fitment applications. Yeah, you like that? In addition to the exceptional performance and durability, the redesigned architecture of the Michelin Starcross 5 features a bead profile that makes the tires easier to install. And everyone knows... Easier mounting is always a good feature. If you're riding on Michelin Starcross 5 tires, but you have friends that are still buying other brands, please tell them... No, 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 no. Encourage them to try a set of Michelin Starcross 5 tires. And if you haven't tried Michelin Starcross 5 tires yet? You're out of your mind, dude. Visit your local dealer or online retailer to purchase a set of Michelin Starcross 5 tires and install them on your bike. Who knows? They might just help you learn to do a backflip in a day. It worked for the Doom Goon. To learn more, visit MichelinMotorcycle.com and follow us on Instagram at Michelin Motorcycle. 
Flyracing.com, everybody. Check it out. 2017 and a half kinetic mesh. Do you have any left, JT? Should I still talk about it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, well, well, I know those limited they're limited runs and maybe sell out right away. So, But, yeah. All right. Check them out. Uh, it's out now. Okay, so 250s. Uh, this is the Racer X recap. 250s. Uh, McElrath, Oldenburg, Hill, Davalos. Um, that's kind of what you expect. Maybe Forkner, who crashed a couple times. But um, it was pretty obvious all day long that these guys would be battling for the for the lead. And Plessinger as well. Um, I talked to McElrath after the race, and I said, Hey, Plessinger was going so fast in the whoops. Were you kind of like, hey, man, if you want to – if you wanted that bad in those things, take it. And McElrath's like, yeah, I kind of was. Um, you know, I was like, hey, that's that's really that's really fast. Um, and it eventually bit Plessinger. Um, but what, what what do you think, JT, about that? Yeah, but for Plessinger, he's kind of just got to go for it. So, uh, I mean, obviously, I don't know where his wrist is. It looked like he was hurting him a bit. But otherwise, he's got to win races and hope that, Justin Hill has problems, and on top of that, you just want to win races. That's always your goal. So, I don't blame Plessinger for pushing pushing the edge. Uh, you know, for him taking it easy and being cautious gets him nothing. And uh, you know, he looked like he was on form to win the race anyway. But crashes happen. You know, it's mm-hmm. just the way it goes. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, no, no fault for Plessinger. You just got to, you know, he was pushing, and those loops are sketchy and. He made one big mistake, just kind of like Bogle did, same similar crash. Uh-huh. And, uh, yeah, I mean, Justin Hill was uh, the kind of recipient of that, and, and we'll get into how that all played out, too. Nice work by McElrath to win. Oh, man, if his bike hadn't screwed up at Dallas while he was winning. We'd have a different series. Oldenburg has raced three races. He has gone 4-3-2. Does he win Vegas? I'll say no. Okay. Good job, though, for Mitchell Olenberg. That's awesome. Really? He said to me after the press conference, do you work for MXA? So he, <laughs> yeah, he was the only guy that, like, acknowledged that. <laughs> Anyways. But then he said, he asked me that, and then in the interview he said, I went up one tooth on the rear for the for the night show. Oh. And I'm like, MXA could have told you that. They could have yes. told you to go up one tooth. Stars aligned. Yeah. Um, anyways. <laughs> Good job for those guys, um, Oldenburg and McElrath. And we, I thought your, your your Twitter timeline was pretty funny, where you're like, oh, now Marty is going to affect this 250 title. We all knew he was going to come in at some point. <laughs> well, it was just crazy that, like, okay, we know what Marty's known for. He wins a heat race for the 300 billionth time. Yeah. That's what he's good at. But all of a sudden, for one of the first times ever, the last two or three laps of a main event, Marty is killing it. We all, he's, we he's all know. His groove yeah. late in the race. We all know. <laughs> when you get that late race main event, when Marty gets the hooks in you, late in the night show, <laughs> there's just nothing you can do about it. I, I, I was like, oh, he's doing it. And then I had, um, you know, I, it's plussing around. out. I'm trying to remember who's in what position. Yeah, then once I realized, I'm like, oh, dude, he's going for a podium. Like, he's going to try. There's not going to be any of this. Yes. Oh, no one. He's racing for the title. Like, no. Yeah, people Marty on my Marty. Twitter was. Hit. I'm like, no. That's that's you know that's 25 grand, which is probably a little high. But yeah, he. I mean, he's going. He wants a podium for sure. Yeah. So. Yeah. If that was fifth, I don't know if he would do that. But he's going for third. So yeah, Marty. Because what the irony is, years ago when Ross and Tomac were battling for the 250 title in Vegas, 
it actually came down to will Marty fade enough for both of them to get him, or will he be will he finish second? He was in the lead, huge lead. So Michael Rocks are catching him. You know they're going to get him, and it's like, will they both get him, or will they not? Because if he finished in between them, yeah. the title would have swung. This time, the title was hanging in the balance of the Marty late race charge. Yep. Yep. Breaking news. Did, uh, did I just, people I just... know that though? Did it matter for points? Did anyone know that? Um. No, do you think the guys in the stadium were aware of that? Uh, my group text, my I have a huge group text with a bunch of industry people, and they all knew it. But I would assume that no one else did. No, no, they 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 don't know that kind of stuff. Um, why why would you why would you point the crowd to a potential, you know, clinching thing? Well, forget about the crowd. Let's talk about the three or four hundred thousand people watching on television around the world or online. No, no, they, they, uh, they did. They, they had it. They did. They, okay, okay, good. It, they I, did, I didn't I see think the main on TV yet. Yeah. Right. When Plessinger crashed out, it was like it's over. And then I immediately thought, oh wait, how far back is McElrath? And now he's going to win. And then I looked, and no, they had it. He's 24 points ahead. But if he loses two points, they, they did figure that out. But I'm just saying, even okay, like, perfect. yeah, uh, that's a good job by Pete and those guys. I, I, I didn't mean to take a yeah. shot at them. I just hope that they had that. JT, how close has Weege come to? To kind of taking shots at the TV show on no, Twitter. No. He dances on no. that line. You dance that line, Wygant. No, no. I don't yeah. know what you're talking yes, about. You're a line stepper. Yes, you do. You dance. You, you're just – the keys to the race really get you. <laughs> really get you going. When And this is – you know what? I'll be honest. I'm not even – yes, I was tweeting quite a bit at the beginning of the uh, main event. I was like, I think what it's going to come down to is, for Dungeon Tomac, try to win the race because that would get you the most points. I think that should be the strategy. Go out and try to win. Um, but that's not even a shot at anyone specific. You can talk to 100 people during a race weekend, and you're going to hear the same stuff. Oh, I think it's going to be a track where the start matters. <laughs> well, start always matters. And then actually we found out it didn't this particular weekend. But our sport is not the most sophisticated when it comes to statistical analysis or anything like that. Before an NFL playoff game, you're going to hear a thousand different scenarios of defense and lineups and matchups. And in this sport, when it's close, you're just going to hear, and this is not just the TV crew, this is everybody. You're just going to hear, well, I think somebody's got to get a start and try to win. Uh, breaking news. Uh, hold on. Uh, BB, BPRMX, part ways with John Ames. So. Interesting. Yes. Fire up the red banner on Racer X Online, Wagon. Breaking news. Um, uh, I was watching closely Ames and his uh, rival, uh, who we will not. Does he have a name yet? JGR Kid, or is he just JGR Kid? <laughs> yeah, just JGR Guy. He's a JGR Guy. Um, JGR Guy stepped up. Ames had to answer. Yeah. Um, to prove that he was the more. Um, Kate Otten. more willing. Kate yeah. Ottenwright, 13th, Ottenwright. though. Good, good job by him. It was good. Yeah. yeah. No, that's good. Um, okay, so let's – we got a lot to talk about. Uh, for- I'm, watching, uh, I'm watching Colin Cowherd right now. Um, I'm actually – I'm flying to uh, Albany, New York today. Um, and this show is on, and Jenny Taft is on. That's interesting. Yeah, bro. It's weird. I, I didn't realize she was on mainstream uh, – yeah, no, like Jenny's, right. Jenny's cool. we're going to lose Jenny. You watch. She's going to... Oh, like, I mean, she's on Colin Coward, which is, well, and there's a lot of jokes that can be made about Colin Coward's 
audience now that he's left ESPN, but right. it's still a pretty big uh, deal. Um, interesting. Okay, so we'll briefly touch on Weech. I want to talk about this. Do you know anything about this app that's launching too? Like, can we talk about that? I saw the press release of that. Promoter cross. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I was like, for Supercross? Oh, uh, yeah, for Motocross, uh, you basically are going to be able to. This is, to me, nothing gets me madder. Many things get me mad. Almost nothing gets me madder when people are like, why can't they just show all the races on the Internet live? Well, they do. All you got to do is pay your cable bill, put in a username and password that proves that you pay your cable bill, and then you can watch all the motos live. Every weekend, all 24 motos of both classes. It's been going on for years. Never been a problem. You just got to pay your cable bill. But what's funny is people will say, why can't they just offer me a pay-per-view option? Well, paying your cable bill would actually be very cheap considering they're throwing in 300 TV channels while you're at it. Um, but people are still asking for a pay-per-view where you don't have to pay your cable bill. So that's now available where you can pay, I think it's 50 bucks for the season, and you can watch every moto live, which you already could. Yeah. But since people don't seem to understand that, <laughs> there you go. Ad-free, no commercials, which is the same as the app. Yeah, the app is the same way. So. Yeah, they've been showing every moto live on the web since 2009. Um, I don't understand so why, like, yeah, if you're complaining about, like, Apple TV is, is, uh, is $50 on eBay. And there you go. You have Apple TV. I think it's just, I, I think what it is is just confusion. Like, yeah. when you introduce the, oh, I have to pay my cable bill to watch it on the internet, it just is like there's a disconnect there. Oh, like, tell, why can't I just pay for the internet package? Tell me about it. I mean, I'm dealing with podcasts, yeah. and people are just like, it's not there. How do I do it? I'm just like, oh, yeah. God, you know, so, anyways. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. All right. So, um, 250 uh, West has one round left coming into Vegas. Um, so, it should be interesting to see what happens from there. East-West is going to be good. It's going to be a good battle. So, Adam Cincerello is fired up for it. He's fired up. Hold on. Hang on. What? You got something else to discuss. You forgot the rules. No, I know. I'm getting to that. I'm just kind of wrapping up this race. Oh. Yeah. Wrap up this oh, race. Okay. And so now, okay, okay so the rules, uh, this weekend we found out that they've been changed. Instead of three years of 135 points, you now have four years of 135 points. You now, no matter – it used to be that if, you, if you're past three years in the class – and you win a title, you're out, a la Mookie, a la Bogle. But now, no matter what, you get to defend your title. Even if it's year seven of your 2D career, you do have a chance to defend the title before you have to get out. And also, they, they used to be top 20 and 450s were not eligible to ride the 2D class unless you petition, like Phil Nicoletti and Kyle Chisholm did. Although, Kyle Chisholm got denied every year, except for the one year that Phil got it, and then Kyle got it. So, that's awesome. Um... And but now that rule has changed from top twenty to top fifteen, so they've they've, they've changed that a little bit, and so basically, three quarters away through the season, when it looks like Hill and Savachi will be out of the class, and Marty, three quarters away through the season, they looked around, some teams probably said, "Hey man, like we really want to keep these guys," and the AMA and FM went, "Oh okay." Cool. Yeah, let's just change that rule three quarters way through the season to affect everything. So you can keep all your guys, everybody. Everybody can keep all their guys. Don't worry. Garbage rule change, garbage class, garbage everything. I hate it. Stupid. Ridiculous. It's garbage. <laughs> That's my thoughts on it. I thought I think it's garbage to change it three quarters way through the season. I think it's a garbage change. 
And you already know my feelings about this class. It's a garbage class. There we go. I mean, you can play by the rule, but going to the garbage class. Wow. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm you know, I'm kidding. <laughs> my buddies are in. Um, yeah, there's a, there is a, absolutely a place for the 250 Supercross class. 100%. I'm joking about that. But the way it's just all the. You Congratulations, know. Justin Hill. You've just won a garbage title. <laughs> well, listen, it should be. This title, these titles should be looked upon as less than what they are. There are so many regional title winners that have done nothing in the 450 class. That people should realize that. I don't know if they do. I think they think, oh, you've made it. You've made nothing. You've done nothing. So, you know, that, that, that $250,000 bonus does not last very long in the real world, in the big bike class, when you move up. So, I wish it was taken a little bit less importance than it is. But anyways, whatever it is, what it is. I, I'm joking about the garbage thing, because I already said garbage something a little while ago, and someone got mad at something. But I, you know. Yeah, okay, all right. It's stupid. It's stupid, Weech. Please. Okay, the uh, the rule thing, yeah, um, the painstaking amount of effort uh, that's put into making rules and then people working within the rules, and then just be like, oh, wait, oh, sorry, wait, oh, these rules are actually going to, like, mean something? Oh, my bad. My yeah, bad. that's we what I mean. That's what I mean. For the rules yeah. to actually do something. Yeah. Yeah. It would be the equivalent of being pulled over by the police, for going 65 in a 55, and then saying, oh, man, but we don't want to give you a ticket. Like, we'll just, okay, it's a 65 mile an hour road. Yeah. That's fine. Yeah. We don't want to actually how, how do you, the ticket. How do you change that, three, you know, when it looks like it's going to affect three prominent riders, and you just go, uh, add another year? Like, it looks so brutal. Yeah, it looks it, so obvious. Op, it optically, so obvious. It, it's so, such a bad look. Yeah. I don't have a problem with changing rules uh, in general. And what I heard the last couple of weeks talking to some 250 teams about this is, you know, there are certain scenarios that are probably wrong. If Jordan Smith wins the 250 East title this year, him being forced to the 450 class is bad. He didn't do much the first two years in the class. He had like one podium, missed some races, inconsistent hurt. And then all of a sudden next year he's got to be lining up with Tomac. That's probably a little crazy. But I don't think that Savachi, Hill, Osborne, Davalos, you don't have to feel sympathy for them being forced up. So I can see massaging some things and be like, okay, Jordan Smith being forced up is probably not what we intended to have happen with these rules and we need to massage it. So I got that. But then when they said, you know what, screw it, let's just change it so everybody's good, I don't, I don't get that at all. JT. Yeah, it's uh I haven't really formed that strong of an opinion on it yet. Um a lot of ins and there's a lot of ins and outs. A lot of, well, the Chinaman is not, not the sure, issue here. <laughs> I'm not sure what the tipping point was. Like why did the powers that be say we've gotta make a move here? That that's the interesting thing to me because I think there's a lot of a lot of incentive for the teams, a lot of incentive for certain riders for this rule change. But I think they had to look at the state of the sport. There were guys like Dean Wilson, uh, guys like Mookie that didn't have a ride. And they're looking at those guys are going to go into the same scenario next year. Hopefully they they find homes or they can continue in their current spot. But then you're going to add two, three, four guys to that list as well. Well, you're definitely going to have guys with no home going into the 450 class next year. So, I think that's where the motivation was was 
coming from. I would assume. I don't know that for sure. Just in uh, in that case, I think it was probably the right move uh, because I just don't think that it's healthy or good for anyone to have guys that are that high of a level or that capable with no ride and and having to drive their pickup truck to the race. But just overhaul the whole thing. Don't you're half pregnant right now. You're just adding a year. Like big deal. Like just they're not going to overhaul the whole thing though. I think you're you're worrying why? That. why? That's never going to happen. Well, okay. Well, we're is one year going to make a difference? Savachi and Hill will be out next year. I mean, are, are we any better with the scenarios you just talked about with Mookie and Dino and all that? No. We're not. We're not going to be any better. It'll be the same boat just put off by one year. So change everything. Like like switch it up. Like like we've talked about, you guys don't agree with me and my Racer X column, and Davey didn't agree with it either. So, okay, so do something else. But, you know, to, to make the change three-quarters of the way through the year when it looks like it's going to affect some major players is, is, is ridiculous. You're just half pregnant. It's stupid. Just change, change it all. Look at the whole class. I had a suggestion from my 250 team that said that they, what they suggested is lifetime points. Win the title – Ten times. Well, that wouldn't work. But win the title six times. The the the, th- the lifetime points is seven hundred, or whatever it is, whatever number. It'd be impossible. It'd be impossible to win it six times. Then. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, JT. Thanks for that. You're welcome. Win it five times. Whatever it is, just you know, make it lifetime points, and then you're out. And okay, I, I, that would be better. I would be down with that. Just don't do what they're doing I, I, now. I, I don't, don't do what they're doing either. now. I don't see how that one works either because the real issue we have here is factory riders taking factory rides. If you're if you're a, a Scotty champion and you just keep racing and you're making a little bit of money in the 250 class, being forced to the 250s or 450s, it doesn't matter. You're not taking a ride away from someone else. When you go on your rants about Davalos, I know it seems like a direct hit personally on Davalos, but your real point is there are other riders that could have gotten his rides that can't get it because he keeps getting it. So the issue is, yeah, if Hill and Savachi have to move up, Josh Grant is probably going to lose his 450 ride because they've got to find a place for those guys. Or Bogle's going to be out if RCH wants to hire Savachi. We know Savachi's tight with Carmichael. If Davalos and Osborne have to move up, where does Dean Wilson go next year? So – you have to make the rules. They're trying to protect that. Having lifetime points, what does forcing Scotty Champion to move into the 450 class next year, who does that help or hurt? What difference does that even make? Because, hey, Scotty Champion, you've had 12 years. You've had a good run. And Scott Champion is on a team, Weege. I know you, you, these teams don't earn your respect. He's a, he is on a team that could be open for somebody else. You know? So, I just don't, don't, don't do what they're doing now. And so the guillotine is hanging over Marty's head. And isn't it just amazing he escapes? The guy is phenomenal. So, so we need to do a th- ESPN needs to do a 30 on 30 on Marty. It's phenomenal. It's an amazing career. He gets out of this. He gets out of the class. He, he gets to stay well, in the class. And I think that's the only reason we saw him in, in uh, Salt Lake last weekend was the impending rule change that he had wind of, caught wind of. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, all right. I just, I just, uh, yeah, I mean. It's been affecting anyone's employment. The, the real issue isn't being on the gate in the 250 class and getting purse money or, or anything. The real issue is who gets the factory rides. The lifetime points, it'll affect a few guys at a factory ride, but it doesn't affect the fact, and I, like I'm saying, what you get mad about isn't about Marty himself. It's about 
Marty having a factory ride for 12 years means someone else doesn't get a ride in that class wow. for 12 years. JT's and point would be, point, JT's point when he that. defends his buddy Marty would be like, well, just beat Marty and get his ride. That would be the, the, the counterpoint to that. Uh, yeah, I suppose so. But you, I'm sure there's a lot of kids out there that are like, he's got a factory team and a factory bike, and I don't. And a lot more talent you know. than you. Yeah, some. Um, but you, there is a, and I know this is why you say the 250 class is broken. There is a strange reward for being good but not too good. That's what I'm saying. You do the yeah. right thing, and you train your balls yeah. off, and you work really hard, and you win the title, and you're screwed. How is that? But if you're how is that? and you're not quite good enough to win the title, yeah. you actually get rewarded. Alex Martin, Osborne, Marty. Marty has probably made a $1 million plus by riding. Okay, and then again, he gets hurt in the Nationals, so he, he's only made a complete season twice in 11 years. Marty puts in 12 to 14 weeks of races a year out of 52 and has pulled in over a $1 million plus. And... The whole thing should be get out of here. Get in here, get your job done, get out. Instead, it's like, nice work, keep it up, bro. Keep draining the system. Now, I don't know if you could ever do a salary cap. I doubt it, but that would be the best thing. Hey, stay in here all you want. You're only going to make 100 grand a year. Stay in here all day or whatever you want. If you want to make any other money than 100 grand a year, uh, you, know, you, you need to get out of here. But... You know what I'd like to see next year, talking about the format change, and maybe this would help. I'd like to see, if you're going to get rid of all the qualifying for the night show, for 450s at least, have a B main in 450 and have a B main title winner. You know, whoever that is. Adam that Nick Schmidt, whoever these dudes are. And maybe that's a class that you could shoot for if you are not quite, you know, whatever. It's like a... What do we get? A, do we get a uh, like a hierarchy system that they get drafted into the A main at some point or how does that work? No, no, no. You just you qualify during the day and you make A or B main and then for the night show. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. And then your Monster Cup issue, you drop the gate and there's 22 guys. And but there's if you got rid of all the qualifying, you need to fill that time up with something. And I yep. I hope to god it's not let's run back and forth to, to the tundra and put gear on. Please right. please lord tell me it's not going to be more of that. So you're going to need a 450 B main or something, you know. So, do that. Hey, guys, we're going to have one 450B main. All you jerkies that didn't make it in the daytime, you're all here. Um, and we're going to give you some points, and we're going to actually keep track of this thing. And then you get a little bit of money. Now, that could be the problem. Yeah, that would be sweet. I like that, I like that idea. Yeah. Good idea. Yeah. So, do that, and then make that class somewhere where some of these 250 guys can go. You know? So... Yeah, I, well, I don't think anybody that's pointing out you have to have more. Hold on, you're, you're both yelling at once. Hold on, you're you're yelling. Yeah, uh, I was going to say I don't think anybody that's pointing out at the 250 class is going to be in a B main event. Okay, yeah, yeah, but 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 Scott Champions or whatever, we just crying for Scott Champion. So. Okay, well, Scott Champion is not pointing out at the 250 class anytime soon. If you did the lifetime, well, thing. under the lifetime, uh, under the lifetime thing, I don't even know about that. I mean, it's going to take 15 years. Uh, breaking news, uh, Motocross Action, someone just attached me on a tweet. They tweeted that Martin Davalos has finally pointed out MXA just did. <laughs> I'm going to have to call up the head office and tell them that the rules changed this past week. So They had a guy in the press conference. Known that. <laughs> Never change, MXA. Never change. Uh, P- please great. don't. Uh, 
Um, anyway, that's great. So uh, I, I, I'm all about having another avenue because yes, when if you want to be even more aggressive with forcing these guys up, I know what they're afraid of. The teams can easily show data and say anytime you force a guy up, it almost always is a problem. Cooper Webb, he's going to be fine. He's really good. Eli Tomac's good. He's fine. Ken Roxon's a good rider. He'll be fine. Those guys are fine. But for so many others that move up, like, hey, Dean Wilson, great job. You're in a torrid battle for top ten in the 450 main event, which is freaking phenomenally awesome and impressive. Nobody's paying attention. Nobody's watching. Everybody's just talking about Tomac and Dunge. That's what we do. That's what all fans do. This sport doesn't have a lot of parity. If you're Cordy Wilson, you're finishing between 7 and 10 every weekend, and it's tough to even find a rider get paid for that. But Dean's too good to be in the 250 class also. So what do you do? So yeah. some sort of other avenue. The semis are supposed to actually be that. You know, yeah. That's way Wilson and Brayton get to battle for a win. But we all know that it doesn't count for anything, so it doesn't have the same impact. So yeah. 450 B-Man. I mean, they yeah. they have they're going to need the it, semis are make them count for something. Yeah, there you go. yeah, they're going to have they're going to need time to fill if they go to this thing that we that we've heard, you know. And and please tell me they're not going to just fill it in with lurch getting everybody to start do the wave or people put on gear from JGR, you know. So and if you had three four fifty mains and two two fifty mains, I think that times up pretty good. All right. But I'd like to see the Antignaps and, and, and these dudes get some limelight on the night show, a little short little main, break it up a little bit. So No, I think it's great. I think it, uh, it gives a lot of these smaller teams, they're dying for television exposure that they can go take to sponsors. I think that opens up a whole new avenue for them as far mm-hmm. as marketability, too. Well, no one will listen to me, so it doesn't really matter. I, I, think, it's, I think it's got legs. I don't know if it ever happens, but right. I think it's, most of your ideas are complete crap. Uh, but this one's pretty good. Thank you. Thank you. Um, all right. Anything else? Weege, JT, Salt Lake City recap? Uh, nope. Headed to uh, headed to Jersey, mm-hmm. the uh, birthplace of Jason Wagant. Yeah. And one of my favorite races, I think uh, the Manhattan aspect of this race is uh, pretty awesome. I will not be doing that again this year. You're not going to Manhattan at all? Nope. I didn't do it last year, and I won't do it this year, I don't think, because no, well, wife's not... Wife's not with me. I've been there six or seven times, and I think you're stupid. I don't think I'm stupid. I mean, like it's just you know, yeah. Fly in, fly into Newark, stay by Newark, go to the race, fly out of Newark. There you go. Are you serious? Yeah. I mean, I've been. I got to do that. I mean, I've done I've done Manhattan six or seven times, and you know, like I don't know, like it is cool. Don't get me wrong, it's rad, but I'm just gonna treat this like any other race, man. I'm really focused on this title, so I'm just gonna treat it like every other race. All right. Well, well, let's do a survey of how many people said the same thing about Vegas. Yeah, Vegas. I've already done the circle bar thing. I've done the gambling thing. I'm just going to stay out by the track and uh, watch the racing and then uh, head back to the hotel and watch some NBA. Vegas is <laughs> Johnny Knowles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right, everybody. There's where once you get to six or seven, then you just go for the eighth time. You don't. Okay. I guess you had your says, lifetime. Says, says the man who doesn't spend any money. You know how expensive Manhattan is? I'm not saying it's a stay there at a hotel. Dude, they even moved the schedule for it. It's a day race. It ends at 8 p.m. Right. It starts at 4.30. Two more hours. Yeah, but You don't have to stay okay. in Manhattan. You okay. just drive in and go experience okay. the city, have dinner, All right. hang out. J- J- JT, you drive in. Right there, there's a problem for Weege. Parking. Or the Uber. Whatever, however you drive in. There's a problem. 
Very Look, I already said I'm cheap, but certain things I'll do. I, I, I do go to the Circle Bar in Vegas all the time. I still do it. Like, I mean, if you're going to hold a race, let's say we had the Snake River Canyon uh, Evil Knievel race at the Grand Canyon. I'd probably walk over and check out the Grand Canyon while I was there. Mm-hmm. I mean, 90% of your expense is already paid for. You flew in. You have a hotel. Wow. All you got to do is spend a smidge more. It's quite a value method. Maybe it was a Rangers game Friday night. They're in the next round. They went to the next round, so. Yeah, good luck at this. If you're going into the city, Mathis, I'm going to make sure it happens. I'm going to drag you with me. What are we going to do? We'll go to dinner. When do you fly in Friday? I get in early, yeah, because I fly first thing in the morning. So I get in early. All right. First, so. I will drive you personally into the city, and we'll go have dinner somewhere and just check it out. Why not? You're going to waste your waste your life away. The, the last time I, last time I went to the city, I was with – last time Pookie came out, we went to the city. We were walking through Times Square. Jim Hawley runs up from behind and scares the shit out of her. It was very scary. He Did came, he have a camera? No, but he came up and was – and, you know, it's very scary at Times Square. What if I run into Jim Hawley yeah, scaring we, people? we go to a nice restaurant. We have, we'll sit at the bar. We'll eat dinner, and we'll watch hockey. There will be a hockey game on for sure. I don't mind that. That sounds pretty good, actually. Yeah, that's a pretty good what if, offer. What if pretty Jim Hawley offer. scares us, though? What if he lurks around? <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Hawley's harmless, unless you're a single, single mom. <laughs> by, by the way... He doesn't have internet on his phone, on his iPhone. He he, right. he he heard us. No, he heard us making fun of him. He heard about that. And he told me to go on and get on the internet. And he had the LTE signal. And I'm like, Jim, watch this. And I could not get on the internet on his phone. He says he told Verizon, look, man. Well, Weege does his voice the best. I can't, I can't really, oh. I can't really do his voice the, the way, oh. the way. Wait, Weege. he told them to turn it off. Yes, because he didn't want to pay. I said, I thought you had a smartphone. Everybody had to have the internet on their phone. He goes, No, man. I told him, Hey, I pay for all my kids and I pay for my, my chick and and I don't want to pay for extra. I give it to me for free or I don't, I don't need it. I don't need the internet. And they apparently you you can do that. So Jim does not have the internet on his phone unless he's on Wi-Fi. And then I showed him Wi-Fi and that blew his mind because he had no idea. Wi-Fi and all that. So I got on ESPN and I got on Google Form and all. He said to me, I just want to go to Google. I'm like, oh, I wonder why. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I sh- So I got on Wi-Fi and I showed him, but he does not have internet on his LTE iPhone. So Wow. Didn't he say at one point that it was, it was stock? That was the difference? He had a stock iPhone? <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know. Yeah. Is there a Polaroid app? There's got to be, right? Got to be a Polaroid app, yeah. Yeah. Well, they have things you can plug, like a portable printer that like is like pocket size, don't they? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. And Jim can do that. All right. All right. Uh, fly racing for Jim's birthday. Get him that. Uh, Flyracing dot com. Uh, please check him out. Thanks to the Fly Racing guys for uh, supporting us and um, and everything else. And uh, Jason Wygant, Jason Thomas. Thanks, boys. And uh, we'll talk soon. See you. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Fly Racing Steve Mathis Show. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as... The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. I looked down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. I was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Storbeck is that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. 
we get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And McGill was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't have been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think yeah. he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Holland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? Right. They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in the States, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take their money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, like beating a dead horse, I mean, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I pulled pit and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. It's been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny Omar. Stuff that you could you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes Store to enjoy these and over 800 great motocross podcasts. Hey, hey,